0: Hey, Pod nuts, and welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us. This is a podcast all about Linux for the everyday user, to the people who are brand new to it, to the old, gray-beard, crusty person who thinks he knows everything. My name is Door to Door Geek. I'm getting old, gray-bearded, slightly crusty, been using Linux for a decade, but purposely remain ignorant to a lot of things just so I can remain relevant to the new user. That was a lot of words. This show is brought to you by Paul. Paul was a former Patreon. Paul is from CIS Admin Today. If you've never heard of the podcast CIS Admin Today, I definitely encourage you to look at CIS Admin Today on iTunes, Podcast Addict, whatever you look up, look up CIS Admin Today and you'll hear Paul, unbelievably nice guy. He did a Patreon uh, back in 2017. It looks like he did it for one month. Doesn't matter. I still love him. He's a great guy.
1: And speaking of guys I love,
0: and I got no problem saying that out loud because I'm very comfortable. It is Bruce Patterson. How's everything going, Bruce? Door,
1: I'm doing all right. You know, I realized I am the Ed McMahon to your Johnny Carson.
0: hey And trust me when I tell you now, there's millions of things worse you could be.
1: Yeah, very. that's true. Including a uh, a Microsoft fanboy, which I've actually become.
0: Well, I'll say like this. Microsoft is a very hard, cloudy thing to define, especially, I believe, here in 2020, uh, because they they might have some of the same employees they've had back in you know 2014, 2015. They might have some of the main goals that existed back in 2015, 2014 kind of thing, but what they look like to the end user or the technician has really been evolutionized, not just revolutionized here in the last two, three years. And I will say, there are certain things that they do that I literally stop and, like, gasp, and I, like, tip my hat and say, good job, because they made a couple applications unbelievably clean, unbelievably useful, unbelievably functional, and then I stop and think, wait, this is Microsoft.
1: Well, I guess what I should do is go go a little bit further on why I say I'm a fanboy. So what happened is that um, on Wednesday this past week, My supervisor just asked me, am I interested in going to uh, Ignite, which is their major conference? Uh, They just actually wrapped one up in Florida, and they have another one happening in September in New Orleans, of all places. And keep in mind, I have never been to an enterprise-level conference ever in my life. I mean, I've been to the Enterprise Linux uh, conference, LinuxCon in Boston, but... Jeez, they haven't been here in well over 10 years. Uh, and I got to tell you, you know, I'm looking forward to it because uh, this gives me a chance of a little bit more insight on how they approach software development. And I mean, this is going to cover everything from Azure, uh, their exchange uh, um, server. I mean, the, the the gamut is there and it's, it's a, a full week conference. And so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. But one of the things that I will tell you, though, is in the one of the biggest problems for Microsoft, and I don't see this much on the Linux side of things, is that when it comes time to upgrading, you know, even just little updates for software, boy, I'll tell you, Microsoft, the impact is so widespread a small change just ripples across the ecosphere. And I don't see that in Linux as much, but I got to tell you, they made a small change last week in exchange and half of our Mac users were just disabled. And so they still have a ways to go. I believe.
0: Well, disabling Mac users is the plus as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I'll say it like this. I know now two people who've been to the last two out of three ignites. Um, and I'll say, This is not a Windows show, but I got to say this, Bruce. Uh, There's a new in air quotes tool that's came about. They look like they're going to deprecate what's called the server manager. When you log into a Windows server, a thing pops up called server manager, allows you to see the health and the services and allows you to do some admin type things from it. The next generation tool is called Windows Admin Center. And if you have not installed this and you're at all a Windows administrator, What are you doing? Install Windows Admin Center. Go ahead and install it. Add listings of uh, servers or desktops to it or Azure instances. Wink, wink. They really want you to do Azure instances. And it's a web-based UI basically. Trying to destroy the need for any third party remote management solutions out there. Uh, And I'll say they have a great first step in destroying all competition.
1: You know, and it's interesting what really disappoints me a lot about uh, corporations, businesses, even the small enterprise level folks. And uh, so for us, large enterprise roughly means approximately 50,000 customers. Now, the smaller enterprise will probably be ranging in the 5,000, let's just call it that, just for some benchmarks. And what I'm really concerned about is that, you know, for a company like I work for, the kind of money that that they charge is something my company can easily easily meet. But that's you take a smaller company you know, they really do rely on Linux to get them through the day because, you know, a lot of their stuff is cheap. And it does surprise me if Microsoft is not a viable option. Oddly enough, Google is. They charge $50 a mailbox. And if you have them charging such a low price for that, totally run with it. Although, you know, I have to tell you, I still think that when you're running things like, uh, uh, and I'm going to really age myself and I'm going to speak from... Uh, not so much information. Uh, it's just perception. I feel that if you're running Alpine, uh, you know, something like that, you stand, like yes, exactly. You stand a better chance of actually having better, superior email. You know, you're unlikely to see viruses on the large scale that most of them do. And uh, it just makes sense. But it's just trying to find admins, true admins for things like that.
0: Yeah. And I don't want to, the last thing I want to do is turn this into a Microsoft. show. But I'm going to say one more thing about Microsoft. While I despise the company, while I'm sure I would strangle any executive, I would meet face to face because the ethics, the lack of ethics, the lack of morals That that company has shown throughout the years is unbelievable. As far as I'm concerned, being a free software lover, a guy who really respects open source software, the guy that really wants air quotes code to be free. I am utterly astonished at their level of effort to change. They've learned a lot from IBM's failings over the years to where they want to be nimble. They want to change. They want to be up to beat. They don't want to be stagnant or staled. gonna make a prediction they're going to completely invent a new version of service because software you know that's like you know 1990 get out of my way old man the future is services and I believe the service that they're going to completely own in the future is SAS security as a service and I'm pretty sure they're going to be the premier number one best security company that's ever existed in three to five years. And I hate to say, because if you take a look right now, you stop and say in 2020, who are the number one security companies around the world? And no one will agree even remotely close who's good at security, but no one should be better at security than the people that create the most vulnerable operating system that's ever existed. My logic is this. If I got the crap beat out of me when I went into first grade, and then I get the crap beat out of me, when I'm in second and third and fourth and fifth grade, and then I go to sixth and then seventh, and then I go all through middle school, then I go all through high school, and I just get the crappy out of me as ever, over and over again. I should be the strongest adult that's ever existed, and that's what I believe has happened to Microsoft. They've gotten so battered and bruised and beat up and scarred and broken over the years. No one should be more ready to be the most secure thing that's ever existed than someone who's experienced the most flaws, the most bugs, or the most exploits than anything that's ever existed. Um, I could be completely wrong, but I'm willing to bet money that in the next three to five years, whenever any government needs ultimate security, they're going to hire somebody from Microsoft to come and
1: do oh, it. Oh, no, there's a lot of uh, credibility to that statement because you already see it in their move to Azure because – like anything else, uh, for the longest time, what they could not control was the software that you put on your machine uh, or I should say t- say to a small extent. And we saw this a couple of years ago when it started off with uh the secure boot because the secure boot required some some sign, so
0: sorry, Bruce, uh Young and come downstairs and ask me questions. You know, they don't they
1: understand I'm recording. That, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> I figured it was going it was going to be an engaging uh, uh, conversation. <laughs> I'll let you do it. But no, seriously, uh, picking up where I left off is where um, we could start seeing the signs of Microsoft trying to own every aspect of computing because it started off a couple of years ago, well, actually several years at this point, with secure boot because they wanted to be able to, you know, make sure that companies buy into digitally signing the software that they have. And, you know, I think that that's legit. But now they're controlling it to a point where now everything goes up to Azure. Well, now they have total control of everything. And, you know, uh, I I mean, uh, it's it's um, it's a tough thing to concede on one hand, but on the other, you know, just for their survival and where they are, Anything that they do in the realm of security, I'm usually for because you can't trust your local folks to necessarily do security as well and uh, uh, you know they are more dedicated to it. I want to believe it we'll see though
0: yeah, I mean it's one of those things they'll go where the money's at and just like anything else, when there's supply, there's demand when there's demand, there's supply um they just literally released a open completely open, software to do voting um and supposedly there's already more than a couple places that have adopted that as being their standard but not for this election cycle is the way that i'll put it um i'll say this security is a never-ending non-stop cat and mouse game of you know who's who's on first what's on second i don't know who's on third kind of mentality to where what is secure right now might not be secure 5 minutes from now but might not have been secure 5 minutes in the past it's very weird it's very like tricky kind of thing and i don't see any company attacking security like i see microsoft doing right now um linux on the other hand is literally just trying to own enterprise grade workflows enterprise grade sprawl trying to give people scope and coverage for uh, applications and systems and services uh which is fine and dandy but i don't see that being incredibly profitable in the next couple of years
1: which actually makes uh IBM's acquisition of Red Hat uh a little bit more mm, you still have questions when the day is done because you know if it it was to compete if it was supposed to be competitive against Azure and AWS well You know, they essentially gave their competitors, you know, a five to ten year head start. That's almost like giving a marathon runner, you know, a 15 mile lead before they even get out of the blocks. So um, I'm curious to see where they will go with it. However, the one advantage that Red Hat has out of some of the other competitors, is the fact that a majority of servers are Linux-run. And I'm going to guess that Red Hat is a majority share in those servers. So, um, I don't know. I want to see where IBM ultimately takes this. And, um, you know, like anything else, it's always a wait and see, because, you know, we're only good at forecasting to a small degree.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, one of the things I love is, um, skeptic based content. And what I mean by that is people who literally try to look at facts as facts, science is science. And then when they do their year in review and then try to predict what's happening in the next year, some of them look at what other people have pre, um, pre, um, pre, um, dicted. And the only thing that comes into utter 100% clarity, perfectly 2020 vision is we are idiots. We cannot predict anything. Nobody can. The ones who can predict even three months out are the people who are insanely rich because they know how to capitalize on what's going to happen. But but this is what I'll say. Red Hat, I think, and IBM implicitly is very comfortable with trying to own their layer. Not trying to sound like Shrek or anything, but to own their layer of what they're doing. And they're doing it very well. The dirty secret is I speak to at least three to four people who work at red hat and i speak directly about with like five or six people that work for microsoft directly and what i don't think either either of them understand is the passion here's the thing the real dirty secret the passion i hear from the people from the people that work at red hat is insane but very very close the passion I hear from people who work at Microsoft is almost just as much. And the passion I hear from people who work at Google is almost as much as well. Um, Microsoft has done a tremendous job in re, um, re, um, re um, recruiting passionate people who are willing to nearly kill themselves to punch out code to make Microsoft better. Um, and here's the whole thing. In the next three to five years, the best thing I can say right now is we as end users and as administrators are going to have so much more available to us, um, which they love. All those companies love change because that means they can drive training. They can drive. I don't want to say certs because it looks like Microsoft is actually trying to kill the entire cert ecosystem, but they make so much money off the education curriculum that they offer. Uh, it's nearly insane, and they're all changing at such a rapid rate. If you're a, a admin in 2019 and then you're an admin in 2023, you need completely different skills and traits in order to do your job, no matter what the operating system is, unless it's Mac, because they don't change nothing on the admin side.
1: Well, actually, that's a great point, because one of the other things that uh, I was talking about the other day with a colleague was, Um, she's going down a uh, security route and all of the certs that are available, that's one industry where certification just totally drives them. Um, There's a lot of frauds in security and there are a lot of fraud certificates in security. But in regards to what is going to be required of you as an admin, that changes a lot. The only thing that really I think bothers me, though, is the support part of it. Ultimate, and it doesn't matter what company you are, America has a support problem because when you call and, you know, for example, you know, we are customers to Google, Microsoft, Dell, and Lenovo. And interestingly enough, whenever we run into any of these issues, um, the big, the first three I mentioned They could care less who is on the other line when you're calling them. We say, hey, this is so-and-so, and and I'm from this company. I got to tell you, we're, we're treated like we're probably the lowest forms of life. And what's worse is that the answers aren't usually very good. Now, you mentioned about people being passionate for Microsoft. That's true. The developers are wonderful people to talk to. But should you run into an issue in exchange, forget it. It's garbage. It is utter garbage. Um, we open up these expensive premiere tickets with them. And I got to tell you, you know, it's just it really leaves a bad taste in your mouth when the day is done. It's to the point where it's like I want to find another mail service. I think the problem is, is that when you get to the size of a company like Microsoft, they have to realize they can still lose business and while it might not hurt them to lose a couple thousand here and there that adds up over time so if they want to continue with this crappy service prepare to deal with the end result when it comes
0: yeah i'll say no company cares if they lose x percentage of business because you know it's just it's just a flesh wound it's just a flesh wound i'm fine um it's only when you get these deep gashes when they start to act and react. But I'll say my personal belief about what you're stating is they don't want anybody. They really secretly, not really, don't want anybody to ever run an exchange again for the end of time. They want you to just release, relinquish all of that administration up to the cloud and let them do it. And then just you administrate your little part of it, your little section of it. Uh, and the reason I believe that is because The number one attack vector on computing platforms is email, period, hard stop. I dare anybody to say I'm wrong. I will dare anybody to say I'm wrong. And if they own all of the pathways, all of the gateways, all of the inboxes to all of the people out there, that means they're better able to understand what to scan for, what to stop, what to interrupt, and what to let by. And that is incredibly value to any enterprise is how can we remain? How can we have some assurance of security? And if email is the number one attack vector, which it is, if everything is up in the cloud, then Microsoft has their hands right inside of it and should be much more capable to stop the attack before it ever happens. So, This is actually a
1: prime example of why I volunteered to come back on to the show, because, again, the things that uh, the things you're stating are are spot on, you know, to the degree of, you know, it's I mean, the accuracy is correct, because what you're getting at is that you've got a you've got a corporate um, infrastructure that really is trying to make it miserable enough that you will just simply say F it. Take it. It's yours. We'd rather pay for it than to deal with uh, your frontline support. Uh, I'll give you an anecdotal story, and then we probably should move on because, again, it's not Enterprise Linux. Um, But we did uh, run into an issue with uh, Dell, of all people. And um, the bottom line is that we had uh, the TV-16 docs. And what a piece of trash that thing was. Um, And they're primarily docking stations for laptops. Uh, No, they're entirely docking stations for laptops. Uh, We ran into driver issues. Then, you know, on a conference call with them, uh, they admitted as much as, you know, you guys are kind of our test in production. And it's like, all right, so what does that mean? Does that mean that if we find a bug, You'll fix it when. What's the SLA on that? Are you going to do it today, tomorrow, next month? You know, they wouldn't commit to that. And the arrogance of this company is just astounding. We had a section called Research Computing. Their contract expired a couple of weeks ago. And the funny thing is, is that this kind of service is what turned them off. So they said, you know what? F you guys. We're going with HP going forward. Uh, No, I'm sorry. They ended up with Lenovo. And the funny thing is, is that when Dell realized they weren't going to win the contract, they sent 10 of their people over trying to literally bribe our folks over in research computing. You know, we can give you this. We can give you that. You know, you got box seats at Fenway. We can do all of this stuff. It's like, you know what? We already signed the contract. Leave, you know. Uh, So, again, uh, America is losing its way when this is how they treat their customers.
0: Yeah. And I, and I really honestly wish I could. No, nope, nope. I'm not gonna lie. I really wish I could tell you which president said this. I want to say it was in the 50s. A United States president, I believe in the 50s stated the future of America is service driven. We're no longer a country based in deliverables, but instead in service. So we need to get used to that. We need to own it. We need to be that kind of thing. With that stated, it's clear when an American, being an American, gets fantastic, exemplary service, because sometimes we go to do things and it's so clean that we don't even notice how good of a service it is. But then when we get incredibly bad service, aka any internet service provider, enter initials here kind of thing, they do such a horrible job, it's so clear that they really don't care about existing companies. They only care about future customers. I don't understand why they don't understand if they just put 10% more effort in, they will become exemplary compared to the rest of the companies. But I digress. I'm not going to go completely away from enterprise Bruce, but I will say there was a link in the notes and I will put the link in the YouTube chat. And if you would like to partake in the YouTube chat, all you have to do is go to YouTube, look for Linux for the rest of us, hit that subscribe button and click that stupid bell and then you'll also be notified aka annoyed when we go live but there's a link in the notes called the hyper convergence of virtual machine and containers and i don't know how you can get more boring and more enterprise than by saying that but here's the thing bruce i don't know how much you've dipped your toe in hyper convergence and the like Latest virtual machine technologies.
1: Uh, not too much, in fact. Uh, uh, shamefully, I, I admit the the closest I ever get is VirtualBox, and you know I've heard of containers for years, but um, I really haven't delved into it because uh, I haven't had a reason to. But um, that shouldn't prevent me from actually experiencing it. I digress.
0: Well, what I'll say is hyperconvergence to me is one of those things. It's incredibly ah, obscure. It's a really hard gray area to describe to somebody who's not in the business. This is the way I'll put it. Hyperconvergence is trying to take end user software, administrative software, virtual machines, and slicing applications into separately available objects, and then presenting someone with an interface in order to manage everything. And what I mean is hypothetically, we in the enterprise could have a base template called a web server. Okay. And that's the virtual machine. And then in your containers, you could say we have application ABC ready to be automatically pushed. And using this hyperconvergent software, you can say, okay, now if the processor goes above X percent, or if the RAM goes above X percent, or if the NIC goes above X percent, spin up another instance of this web server through a virtual machine and put this web application onto that via a container and join it to a clustered um uh, load balancer and then allow them to all access everything because As a developer of any level, you have to understand once you release something and it becomes too popular, the bottlenecks that hit are the kind of thing you as a programmer cannot code against because it's not in the application. It's at a higher level. And this hyperconvergence is trying to give administrators a more simplified user interface to handle incredible scope of demand. And it, and again, it's really hard for me to, to describe this thing, but there's a couple companies out there who are really banking on hyperconvergence And if anyone has not heard of the company New Tonics, I cannot implore you more. Simply email them and ask for a demonstration. These people are so on their game, so hungry for business. They will appear to drop everything they're doing. Answer your email, give you a one on one online meeting, share their desktop, and give you something like six hours of free credit where you can log in and you can experience their hyperconvergence hypervisor interface to where you can manage your entire ecosystem. And here's the whole gimmick a lot of these hyperconvergence solutions guarantee near zero town time to where if you have a problem, and you make a phone call they guarantee you you will not get a machine you will not get a like first tier support you will immediately be contacting a a actual tech person who can take care of your issue and as soon as you call them and as soon as you give them your unique id your interface into the ecosystem turns into a game that you can play while the actual techs are fixing the issue um these hyperconvergence companies that are out there understand customer service much more, much, much more than the companies I've had experience with, like Dell, HP, Microsoft, and everybody else. When I have experience with hyperconvergence companies, they're one of the few companies that I've experienced that actually understand customer support.
1: Well, interestingly enough, I looked in the uh, just very quickly looking through that article, I noticed they uh, mentioning of uh, kvm too you know and i prefer that over vmware any day i mean like i said i i have VirtualBox is my preference preference but whenever i've run centos i've always always used kvm because it's native to it anyway and um never had a problem with it so uh yeah uh, um i think containers are also useful too in when it comes time for um individuals who wish to set up a lab at home because uh it, it's kind of plug and play once you've set up a container to be exactly what you're looking for and the best part about it is when you're thinking about it theoretically it is exactly that it's a container that has the things you need to and if something goes wrong eh, get rid of it fire up another one you're good to go
0: yeah and we've talked about in the past how chrome os has a basic system where it does self checks. And if it doesn't match, it completely starts over, which is almost like, like a container containers. The dirty secret is literally a technology borrowed from Unix from the 1980s. So this is incredibly old, incredibly mature things now brought into modern computing. And yes, That was the dirty secret I brought. The reason why I brought this hyperconvergence thing is 90 plus percent of all of them secretly kind of use KVM on the back end. I have two people I know who have one of these companies listed in this article as the customer where they have multi-million dollar racks in their system. And they were able to, what's the word I can think of? they were able to get access to the system that they were not supposed to have and they saw everything is running on KVM and then they thought to themselves no wonder this runs so dang smooth because they're using open source software the way you're supposed to use open source software which is as a rock solid building block onto something greater something better i swear bruce maybe episode 3 or episode 4 of this show i said something like this. No one should try to re- recreate anything from scratch. We should always stand on the shoulders of giants. And these hyperconvergence companies out there that exist seem to only ever stand on the shoulders of giants. KVM is one of the most rock solid solutions that have ever existed. And to base your company, to base your multi million dollar company off of KVM, dare I say, is a
1: dang smart move. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my question to you, though, is I saw this earlier that um, Red Hat was going to eventually deprecate Docker. So I'm not clear. Docker versus containers. I thought they were the same thing.
0: They are. They're at different levels is what I'll say. Um, more than likely, Red Hat is going to stop using Dockers in favor of more of a Kubernetes-like solution. Uh, it's merely a orchestration, utility choice. Um, it's almost like the difference between Deb and RPM. They both just handle packages. They're just packages. But when it comes to the Docker container ecosystem, Docker was a interface to manage your containers or your, um, customized jails kind of thing where Kubernetes offers, to be honest, a very, very mature system. And I do believe Kubernetes has been picked up by nearly everybody, used by nearly everybody, from Amazon to Dell, uh, EMMC, HP. Google, I believe, also uses Kubernetes. Facebook uses Kubernetes. So it's the kind of thing that it, it, it's unfortunate that we're not getting more competition. And it does appear like um, they're going to basically win over everything.
1: Okay, fair enough. Looks like, for some reason, the camera's locked in on me these <laughs> this time. That's because you look really good, Bruce. <laughs> there we go.
0: Okay, well, I will say um, we literally have an insane amount of things in our notes. Um, me and Bruce have um, quite frequently mentioned the idea of um, VPNs because, to be honest, uh moving forward it's really hard to say that there are more things more important to more people outside of the first world than a vpn um it's the one thing that can allow people to be safe it's the one thing that can allow people to be secure and have some sort of a semblance of trust when you go online and you search for things that your government might not be completely okay with okay Uh, Private Internet Access is one of the companies that I have no problem saying to me, to you, to anybody else I know. uh, Private Internet Access has been one of the most rock solid companies in every government's ecosystem. When they put in subpoenas, whenever any government has asked them for information, they've literally given them everything they have. And because of how their security model is set up. What the governments have gotten back are binary blobs that they find completely useless because per, because PIA, Private Internet Access, has done everything to try to be secure. And I beg people, if you hear any podcast out there say, we choose NordVPN or any other VPN company because they're secure, stop and think, is this a paid ad? Because I am going to tell you right now, more than likely, it's a paid ad. And I'm not saying NordVPN or express VPN or any of these other VPN companies are less secure than private internet access, but I will say I guarantee you, in the future, private internet access will be more secure and more trustworthy to more people. Period. A hard stop. I dare you. Come at me. I dare you. Okay. Private internet access now put out a announcement stating that their complete client um, um, application will be completely open source. And they're starting with releasing basically the the Android client to the ecosystem to let you, anybody out there, open this up, look at the source code, beat the hell out of it, and find vulnerabilities, find exploits to it. Because here's the dirty secret. 90% of the world, except for Bruce, uses an Android device an insane amount of hours a day. And if you can have a secure connection from the device you use the most, whether it's Android, iOS or the, the Linux desktop or the Windows desktop if you can have an open source VPN tool where you know you can trust it it makes everybody in every country whether it's a totalitarian government whether it's a semi-democratic government or a republican based um republic based government or anything in between if you have assured confidence that your connection to your endpoint is secure then you have every expectation that you can do whatever you want to do and not stress and not worry about it. And I guarantee you right now, in 2020, in 2021, and in 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, private Internet access is going to be among the most trusted VPN solutions there ever has been. And I can tell you right now, they've never paid me a dollar, and Nora, I take a dollar from them. They're that damn trustworthy.
1: Well, and we as Americans should not make the mistake that We're free to actually do everything ourselves, too. Don't think for once that you're not monitored in some respect. And a little layer of security goes a long way. And there there shouldn't be any reason to leave yourself unprotected, especially now that you know what you know, Um, whether it's the NSA watching our podcast right now. uh, You know, that once a camera, phone, any device, you can be assured that somebody is listening in. Don't get that false sense of security that you live in the land of the free because it's not as free as you think it is.
0: We in America, we in the first world have given up insane amounts. And I'm sorry for the teeth chatter right there. We have given up so much in the name of convenience. There's 10 times more we could give up, I will say. Um, I think, to be honest, I'm mildly comfortable where I'm at only because I think I, door-to-door, door-to-door geek, am hyper aware of what is not private to me and what is private to me. Um, I expect my kids, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren to have insanely less privacy than I have. But the only thing I hope is that they're aware of what they have and they don't have. Um, I say to people all the time, if you want to go commit a felony, leave your phone at your house, because if your phone is on your person, then every government institution will know where you're at, when you're at, and sometimes what you're doing. Once in a while, I literally leave my phone up and I have my like selfie camera literally pointed right at me because NSA, if you want to look at something, here's something to look at, Uh, and I say that living literally less than 100 miles from the headquarters of NSA, knowing more than a couple people who work at NSA, and those people tell me, shockingly, the amount of information they have access to and how they need to basically drink their uh, pain away, is the way I'll put it.
1: Oh, and I totally believe that. You know, interestingly enough, even if you are going to go out and commit that felony, just keep in mind, cameras are literally everywhere today. It is shocking whether it's, you know, tied to several homes in our block. Jeez, uh, dash cams. I mean, you really, you really have to be careful if you're doing anything of the sort. Not that we're promoting it, but just be aware. <laughs>
0: Well, and I will say I had a really nice guy is what I'll say. A
1: long-term podnet
0: supporter in the IRC chat. Yes, that old school 1960s technology IRC chat uh, suggests a uh, camera to me that sits there. And I have a PTZ, I think it's called, where I can uh, pan, tilt, and zoom. And I can access it if I want to from outside my network if I know what I'm doing. And I can guarantee no company has access to that webcam. And it was literally $28. I'm supposed to be getting it here in the next two days. I'm going to evaluate it. And if it does allow me, the nerd, as much control as I expect it to, and I can actually restrict who has access to it like I think I can, then I have no problem stating I will then have a camera looking at my front door that I'm pretty assured that the United States federal government will not be able to access. Anyone with like a ring video doorbell or any other type solution like that, I can tell you right now, you can't guarantee anything that for all you know, Iran, China, Saudi Arabia, the UK, and every other government has
1: access to that.
0: I want a camera where I know that those governments do do not have access to.
1: Well, and actually, I'm sure the cat is long out of the bag, but for our folks who are listening in and have Ring, you do understand that in the fine print, you've actually given up your access to allow streaming to your local police station should they decide they want to check in on you.
0: Yeah, supposedly, in the next couple months, Ring is going to allow you as an end user to opt out of that. But by default, you're opted into it. So. I don't have faith they're going to do it right, but supposedly they're going to allow you to do that in the near future. I personally don't trust them.
1: Well, and look at all of the hacks that have happened so far, and they're, they're, not, they're particularly disturbing because, I mean, you've got parents who have them. You know, in their kids' room because they want to make sure that the kids are safe or whatever, but once a hacker gets in there, now they see them too, and that's and what's worse is that it allows two way communication, and that's the most troubling aspect of this. I'm not really sure you know i'm I'm that inclined to invite something like that into my house right away-
0: it, yeah, and what I'll say about the webcam kind of thing is um it's almost a dirty secret. Again, I've used that word like four times now in this show. Um, and Steve Gibson said it really accurately. I want to say in 2016. And he said something like this, drum roll, please. Security and convenience are on the opposite ends of a pole. And it's an unbendable pole. And those two sides will never meet. So anybody picking up anything from any mass market distributor, whether it be Amazon whether it be like a Best Buy, whether it be like a, a, um, a um, uh, Aldi, whether it be a uh, Harman Ketai, whatever. If it seems convenient, then rest assured, it's going to violate your security. Um, so anytime you can literally just pick up your phone and access something that is deep inside of your own personal trust network, whether it be a webcam pointing at your child, your infant's bed, whether it be a webcam looking out your garage front door or whether it be looking at your access logs of people putting the code into your alarm system. Rest assured, anybody else in the world with the desire and the time on their hands will also be able to access that very same thing. Now, if you're not, you know, the son of a high person with top secret Clearance in the US government, you're probably not a desirable target. That doesn't mean you're not a target. What it means is if someone stumbles across you on accident, they will have more access to you than you feel comfortable with relinquishing. Um, if we're not the administrators of our own network, do you really trust the other people that are?
1: Oh, and you know the answer to that when the day is done. So, Uh, moving a little bit off to the side of the topic for a second, this actually leads me to another question. Um, So right now I'm at a point in my life where I'm figuring out what the next steps are. What I mean by that is that I never expected to really come, become an administrator at this stage of my life. So the question is, is that how do you approach your upcoming years? You know, um, let's just say, and this is, I'm not even going to say, where do you see yourself in five years? That's just idiotic. But how are you preparing yourself for the future? Or does your job even require it?
0: Bruce, I'm a government employee. My job only requires that I keep us out of the news is what I'll say. Um, Where I see myself in five years, I see myself sitting here enjoying a low calorie beverage, hanging out with people from all over the United States, whether it be Boston, Pennsylvania, New Zealand, Canada, and literally having a good time. Um, what I will say is my trust model has dramatically shifted. And I'm really saying this really slow because it really has. Um, we as individuals have to admit a certain amount of accountability, a certain amount of responsibility, a certain amount of personal um um trust is what I'll say. Um, in the past, I've used things like LastPass in order to be my caretaker of my security. Uh, but I will say there's another link that I'm gonna pop up here, Bruce. Um, and it is called Padlock, P-A-D-L-O-C, P-A-D-L-O-C. And it is available on GitHub, and they did ask people to come out and do an independent audit on it, which, you know, is kind of rare. Um, I've looked at a couple solutions now. There is a solution that is baked into NextCloud which is called Passman, P-A-S-S-M-A-N, where I can automatically import my XML or CSV file from a myriad of solutions to do password management. But I will say this one absolutely caught my eye because it's a, a progressive web app. You don't need to have native installations into any ecosystem in order to have complete access to everything that, that, that you would on a, on a normal desktop infrastructure. Um, it is completely open source. It is completely self hostable. Okay. That's one of the big barriers in my mind. Open source is good. Open source is not the end all be all. If someone tells me I should use Bitwarden because it's open source one more time, I'm going to karate chop you in your throat or chop you like Ric Flair and make a sound so loud that people the next state over is going to say, what the hell was that? Stop telling me I should use Bitwarden because it's open source. It also puts everything in the clipboard. The people behind Bitwarden, as far as I can tell are completely incompetent in the understanding of how to write a program. And if you're from Bitwarden 443-640-8960, call me up so I can chew you out. Padlock on the other hand seems to be much more security focused. In fact insanely more security focused so I encourage people if you want a password management solution look at Passman if you have a Nextcloud instance and if you don't take a look at Padlock P-A-D-L-O-C and I tell you right now if you don't have a password management solution tick tock tick tock tick tock you will be hacked it's just a question of when
1: ah but see I keep all my passwords right up here
0: (laughs) Well, and I tried to explain to a executive at my work, if you have your own like methodology, your own syntax, your own system of developing passwords, it's also then easily repeatable for any computer to do the same thing. A password management system needs to be harder than something that a human, a single human can comprehend in order to have actual random passwords, actual have good length passwords and not continue to say, well, if I'm going to this website, but I'm going to have the website plus these four characters, plus these six characters, plus these things in order to make my password. If there's a method you can explain to another human being on how you derive your password, then trust me now, believe me, whenever you feel like it it's also easy for a computer to figure out.
1: Now, circling back, uh, again, why I'd asked about these kind of technologies too, because one of the things that had occurred to me is that you know I I tend to make a lot of references uh, during my regular work day, and I work with people literally half my age, and I've given up on trying to let them know what those mean. They're just gonna have to do a little homework about the past, but it also made me realize too, One of the things I'm very conscious of is trying to stay relevant uh, in regards to software, hardware, anything that hits the web that actually concerns me in my day-to-day. Because I think one of the things, or let's put it this way, anybody who wants to remain in this has to stay on top of their game. And as a result, uh, I've got Python training that's coming up. Uh, I have Azure training, which is coming up. And you know, it's one of those things where I guess what I'm trying to do is stay with this as long as I can, because it reminds me of the the old story about John Henry and the train, you know, and in this case, the train is now the internet and software. So uh, I'm curious as to the things and how you approach this kind of issue, if it even matters to you.
0: I will say it matters to me. And here's how I describe what you said a little bit earlier, which is, Technology is like the old Canadian competition of log rolling where the next young up and starter is on the other side of the log with you and you got to run on the log and your goal is to not fall off because like you said, technology will not ever stop changing just because you don't want to keep up with it. And I'll say if you in the tech field do not want to stay up with it. Fine. Don't stay up with it, but you better get out of that field as quick as possible and become something like a useless project manager or a supervisor because those people are never up to date with technology. The people in the gutters, the people in the trenches, the people getting blood, sweat, and tears smacked upon their face every day are the people who are trying their best to stay on that log and not lose balance and keep up to date. And I'll say this, Bruce, I literally find it like a damn near enjoyable challenge to stay up to date. I want to be more up to date. I'm the oldest person. I can't believe this, Bruce. I started 20 years ago when everyone called me the kid. I am now nearly the oldest person in our group where we stay up to date on tech. There's only one person older and he's getting ready to retire this next year. Um, and I really try my best to explain to the young people, you know, Computers are just machines with files on them with ones and zeros. It's not complicated. Only ecosystems try to make things complicated. And it's our duty to stay up to date and keep these things simple. And I'll say it again, Bruce simple is how everything should be. And I'll encourage everyone again. If you don't take a look at this application padlock, I'm going to say it again. I can't help it. P a D L O C. It is unbelievably sexy, simple, and it appears to me like they do security right. So if you're using Bitwarden right now, stop using it. Go take a look at Padlock, and I assure you it's better looking and probably works better, and I can tell you right now, from everything I read as a mental invalid from Baltimore, Maryland, it also looks
1: more secure. (laughs) Well, with that, that's some homework there that needs to be done. Uh, Actually, right above it was an article regarding GTK, Uh, plus project and i'm curious did you actually go through that article
0: i will tell you i went through the article a little bit and it was definitely above my head what it basically started out with and ended with was the gtk.org website went through a complete revamp because they figured and they finally like realized that they were completely out of date and i will say if you do go to gtk.org um I don't want to say that they were falling behind. I don't want to say that they were staled, but I will say what they have now is unbelievably better. And I'm sure Bruce, you remember back in the day browsing through GTK themes almost looked like you were going to a like a, like a web interface back from like windows 95. And it took a while for it to like refresh and update and to look right. This web page they have right now running on gtk.org is some of the smoothest stuff i've seen in like the last five years
1: i think uh, some of the open source projects have to be a little bit more conscious of their websites as well because you know here you are presenting us with a way of getting work done but i gotta tell you it is a bad look if the site that you had you're just waiting for like those old animated gifs like a homer simpson website you you really don't want that if you're trying to uh uh remain relevant in the world and let's make no mistake about it i mean you know there are a lot of uh uh apps built with gtk um in fact i'm curious as to what the actual uh version is of it now but you're not kidding the site is slick
0: yeah and i have no problem saying um the KDE website has done a much better job overall of staying modern looking and up to date in the last couple of years where GTK did not. And right now, when I go look at the GTK website, I almost feel like I want to become a GTK developer because, you know, to be a part of this means means something. Um, For, for those who don't know, OK, there's two basic branches of Linux development not talking about bash and kernel and source code type development. But when you talk about interfaces, most people seem to either gravitate towards the KDE plasma, the KDE type infrastructure, or the GTK way of doing things. And GTK is responsible for things like GIMP. GIMP is one of the most mature image editing solutions, except for Photoshop that has ever existed. Um, And it's all based upon this coding framework of doing things. And I will say, if you take a look at GIMP, then you should realize one thing. If you put the time into an application, there's no reason why you cannot surface to the end user anything you can imagine because GIMP does just that. It does nearly anything that anyone could ever imagine.
1: Now, I also believe that GIMP is going to be changing their name at some point because, well, you know, a lot of folks have had problems with its reference over the years and, um, you know, quite frankly, it really could use a name change. Uh, I think once we have something like that, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the things that prohibited a uh, wider spread use of the application to tell you the truth.
0: Yeah, I will say it was one of those things in different parts of the world, GIMP means different things. And it took them a while to realize that it was quite offensive in certain parts of the world. So it's going to change. It will change. The only question is when. And they don't know what they're going to change it to. Um, I will say, don't be shocked if 2020 is a incredibly influential year of change for stuff like GTK. Because it's the kind of thing that if they don't change here really quick, they're really going to start to fall behind a lot. And I say that only because I've been really honestly impressed with what I've seen out of KDE in the last eight to 10 months. And I don't say that lightly because in the past I used to beat the crap out of um, everything arch and everything KDE. And in the last eight months, KDE seems to be really polishing up their
1: game. Oh, and it's funny you should say that because uh, I believe there's an article published two months ago where they actually gave benchmarks KDE versus XFCE. Believe it or not. It beat xfce in a couple of these benchmarks so that's saying a lot about KDE tightening up their code
0: yeah and I will say I had had one uh, mini computer that I don't have anymore
1: because I went to a
0: conference and I gave it away to somebody but it was literally a I believe 20 centimeter by 20 centimeter by 20 centimeter cube computer that was running um a, of course arm based Linux distribution it was literally from power on four seconds until a login screen. And it was literally after that four seconds to a full desktop and it was all running KDE. That was when I was first aware that KDE could be incredibly light yet full featured and powerful if the developers put the time into it. And I have no problem with putting that stipulation in there. It's not every KDE thing I've ever ran that has that, but I will say when it is done right, it is shockingly, shockingly smooth, but I have to also talk about this link just because it's so different, Bruce. Um, it it was in the in that link as well. It's called externos, E-X-T-E-R-N-O-S dot I-O. And the real reason I'm going to talk about this was just so later, two years from now, four years from now, if I go to search on podcasts.com I can know that this was the date that I talked about it. E-X-T-E-R-N is a complete operating system that is based off of Node.js. And I'm sorry, but that means we have to stop and we have to rewind a little bit. Okay. Node.js. Node.js is a complete ecosystem with a complete package management system that's running off of basically tries to do everything in JavaScript. JavaScript is insanely powerful and fast, just like Python is incredibly powerful and fast because there's no interpreter between you and what's going on. You don't have to compile code. You just write your script and it runs natively in an operating system, whether it be a browser or anything else. So JavaScript and Python are two of the most powerful, which also mean some of the most vulnerable coding platforms that have ever existed. I literally ping these people at extern.io asking them if they could make an arm capable version of this operating system so I can run it on my Pinebook Pro. Because I dare I say this out loud, Bruce, I think these kinds of people doing this kind of operating system are literally challenging the norm so much that I'm sorry to say it like this, but it makes even transgender people stop and say what are these people doing my god because they're so unbelievably modern and forward-thinking that no one can see what these people are doing because they're challenging everything well as
1: you speak i actually clicked on the link to download it because i am curious about it uh you have me anytime you feature a site that shows uh streaming music so um i'm sure that that also helps things along pretty well too speaking of which I'm going to take two seconds here to lament the loss of a longtime radio station here in the Boston area. We lost WAAF to a Christian radio station uh, two weeks ago. Oh, I got to tell you, it has ripped my heart out.
0: Honestly, I did hear that, Bruce. Uh, that was, I want to say, like the third oldest longest running radio station in the united
1: states oh and the worst part about it for us old timers you know and this also is what contributed to the question about technology in general because it's terrestrial radio and you know the question is how many people are listening to it well clearly i'm one of them but uh, i guess it may be one of those times where it's like is it time to really invest in satellite radio? I mean, that's that's a, a tough question. There are a lot of other options out there. Uh, Pandora probably being one of the cheapest out there. But, you know, like anything else, it's got a limited catalog. But for something like that, I think uh, I'll save that for future shows because that's something that uh, I'm passionate enough about that I want to do my homework on.
0: Yeah, and, and I when it comes to music, it's like I try to tell my kid earlier tonight food religion music movies or tv is all sub um subjective there is no absolute consensus on what is good or what is bad um i will say when it comes to music this is what i'll say first if you go to google.com and type in google music manager you can at least upload all of your music for free to google and at any point in time, download all of your music from Google for free. It's literally a completely free remote off-site backup for all your music. Here's the caveat. Anytime it finds something that it absolutely is positive that it matches its catalog, it will then upconvert whatever you have to the highest possible bit rate that it has. Then when you download it, you'll get a new version of it. Um I pay, I openly pay for a Google music family subscription, which is $15 a month for six people. So it's around $2.20 per month per person. With that account, everybody in that family plan gets A, completely ad-free access to YouTube, but B, has completely ad-free streaming capabilities from Google Play Music on desktop or on any device at any point in time, you can type in anything that's basically almost ever existed in the world of music and you can listen to it. And you can play playlist and everything else. Um, I'm not gonna say it's worth the money. I'm not gonna say it's the right thing to do. What I will say is every other platform I've ever experienced, including Pandora, has limitations that when I decide I'm done listening to 24 hours of podcast today, let me listen to some music, have obstacles and hurdles that make me so upset, so irate. So upset that I cannot sit through them, um, including Pandora or Spotify or any of the other ones. So I hate to say for right now, Google still owns my heart. When it comes to music oh
1: no that's fair Uh, in fact i think one of the things that's always driven me crazy about pandora in this case is that you know you have a string of music that you want to listen to and let's just say i'm feeling like a 80s metal mood so I'm, i'm i'm listening to the big four i'm listening to anthrax metallica slayer uh you know and then at somewhere down the point it'll remember oh, yeah, you were listening to 70s a couple of days ago. Would you like to listen to Bob Seger now? It's like, no. And it's so you have to thumbs down on that. And then, you know, after a while, you know, I think you're allowed, on the free version anyway, you're only allowed three declines. On a paid version, it's like seven. And there are days I've reached that maximum too. So, uh, yeah, it'll be an ongoing uh quest yeah there there are
0: days i reach the seven out of the first eight songs i've listened to because today's not that day i want to listen to x not y not z not a not b not c what's wrong with you and that's why when it comes to like music i like the ability to say okay schmoogle play and i listen and then i say a person's name for instance weird al yankovic and then I'm assured that I will listen to nothing but the next three hours of only Weird Al Yankovic. And with Pandora, I can only say, play Weird Al Yankovic. And then literally the second song might be something not by Weird Out Yankovic. And the third and the fourth and the fifth might not be by him because they want to keep mixing their playlist up to be what they perceive as being more diverse. And I understand introducing people to new content is a great thing it's a good thing to strive for but once in a while i don't want anybody's suggestion i just want weird al yankovic nope
1: and that's the other thing too what i have noticed on youtube is that when we go down a a group uh you can tell when they're experimenting with different algorithms because sometimes yeah they'll give you everything that you look for in exodus all of the music is there but then Three weeks down the line, something has changed. So what it'll do is, like, here are a couple of videos by Exodus, but here's also some other things that you've listened to in the past week. So, you know, the algorithm, I just wish they would stop messing with it because, you know what, there was a time where it was just fine. Maybe once in a blue moon there'd be something worthwhile listening to, but no, you know, I'm I'm not set in my ways, but I know what I want to listen to when I want to listen to.
0: Yeah, if any service recommends Nickelback to me, when I didn't request Nickelback, I immediately
1: kill my account. As does a lot of people. <laughs> you know, they have to be they have to be Canada's favorite whipping boy, boys.
0: Well, and, and I'm not going to lie. They're not bad. They're not bad. It's just I don't want to listen to them if I don't want to listen to them. If I say, okay, Schmoogle, give me some Nickelback, then that's what I expect to hear. Because here's the thing they're talented and for anybody to sit up and say they're not talented well then you don't understand what talent is they're just not your personal liking which again music is subjective
1: oh absolutely absolutely all right well let's see um we are running a little long but uh um one of the stories i'm hoping we can get to is the one that has a friend of the show wiki doherty in there do you want to uh go down that road
0: yeah give me one second to Scroll my wa- scroll my mouse wheel down. Wow, I had to be really slow when I said that. Um, and I'll just say this. Okay, I have no problem. I'm very, very, very comfortable with my manhood. And I'll say it like this. There's few people in the computing industry that I personally feel like if I were to sit next to, I might put my hand on their leg and say, "How's it going?" Besides Jonathan Adeu, Bruce Patterson, Knucklehead Tech, Chad Wallenberg, um, Lennox Reality, uh, Joe Joe Heck, um, there's a another guy who I personally feel is dang sexy in his in his unbelievable confidence of manhood, yet his unbelievable ability to just get stuff done, and that's Ikey friggin Doherty. Whenever he decides self. I'm going to destroy this topic. I'm going to go head first on this kind of thing. He does, and he literally goes complete disaster mode on six. Okay. Long story short, Ikey Darty, a good Irish fella grew up in Ireland, not Northern Ireland in Southern Ireland. Okay. Changed Lennox forever. When he came out with Solus OS, then changed Intel forever as far as I could tell when he went as one of the main developers not the main developer but as a main developer with clear Linux and trust me now believe me later in the next year or two clear Linux will be incredibly important period hard stop but now like darty said let's enter the game development business with a new open source game engine now if you've ever listened to that other, I can't even remember, Linux Unplugged maybe podcast he was on. The one thing you should have grokked was that Ikey Darty has an addiction to playing games. When he finds a game that he likes, he will literally spend sixteen plus hours destroying the game to be better at the game. But now Ikey Darty is coming out with an open source game engine, which I can tell people right now one thing. It's unbelievably immature right now in the late February, 2020. But I'm also assured of one thing come late 2020. This thing is going to be complete gangbusters. And it's going to have a, a immense amount of momentum to where we're going to start to see other people from other platforms say, Hey, have you heard about this game? Well, I'm on windows and I don't know if I can install it yet because you know, this is going to turn out to be an Aikidoherty thing that is primarily focused on supporting open platforms first. Um, I'm really, dare I say, excited, eh, a little bit giddy, a little bit mm, tweaky where this is going to go. Because as one thing I know throughout times, and that is this game industry, game infrastructure, game platforms is what drives innovation. And if Aiki Darty can focus more attention on open source gaming platforms that he's supporting and draw more people in to do more things to make open source better for everyone else, then I am one completely on board with this. I have no problem shipping him money, shipping him hardware, shipping him love, shipping him respect, because I firmly believe few people in the Linux ecosystem have better intent than ikey Darty. maybe john mad dog hall has better intent than ikey Darty, but there's not many people who do as far as i'm concerned
1: well i think also one of the great parts about this is that if he plays his cards right this is actually something that could generate a mad amount of money for him because the thing is is that uh you look at the salaries that i'm sure he was probably making over in intel and For something like this, I mean, let's face it, if uh, companies can afford to pay a 16 year old $42,000 a year just for playing a game, I can't imagine what they would pay a person who would actually develop a gaming engine. This could be something that uh, really is a big assist for the Linux world because uh, I have to tell you, I'm getting mighty tired of, oh, I can't play games on Linux. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true because it certainly has come a long way. I've actually installed Steam uh, on a couple of distros in the past couple of years. You know what? Of the first-person shooters and the things that I've played on it, eh, they're fine. They're fine. Anything is going to beat whatever uh, Google is doing with their. Uh, oh, I forgot what it was called. It's not our. Yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah, it's. Uh, Boy, is that a a burning dumpster fire right now, but eh, we'll see. We have PAX East that's here in Boston now. Uh, I can't wait for my friend to give me the updates on it and the things that he saw because there were some major players missing out of it this year. Uh, Sony was uh, pushed to the side because um, even though they claim that it's the the, uh, virus, actually PAX East said you haven't come up with anything new in three years we're going to give somebody else a shot at your spot in fact i think two other large companies were uh refused spots at pax east this year as well so anyway uh hopefully a good rundown next show
0: yeah i will say long story short coronavirus shut up people relax it's not that bad if you don't believe me listen to the last DDG. And then follow the link to the Johns Hopkins dashboard showing you all the information. Stop believing news outlets. Stop believing bloggers. Stop believing individual Facebook postings demanding it's the end of the universe. It's not long story short. I cannot wait for the opportunity for me, like long story short, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, shoving dollar bills down people's throats. I can't wait for the opportunity to give, I could to give, Ike some money towards this project because there's little doubt in my mind if my son in two to three years from now says dad i want to create a game i'm virtually assured there's going to be no better platform for my son to approach than something that ike doherty had his hand into in creating hard stop i dare people to challenge me okay i dare you um i Implore people, if you are at all interested in game development, if you are at all interested in what can be the next type of games to come out, if you have anybody in your family interested in game development, I cannot pound my fist on the table harder. Okay. Check this link out. It will be in the notes. Doherty is the kind of person I have no problem saying You should put your support behind. You should put everything you can behind this guy because everything he does, he does from an unbelievably ethical and moral standpoint, where free software, open source software is the most important thing. Everything else is secondary. Please, people support this guy. That's what I
1: ask. Well, and also if you're, if you want to uh, dip your toes into some of his old work, I recommend installing Solus because I gotta tell you um, it was actually the only reason why I ended up going with MX Linux is because I wanted to try something entirely different but uh, Solus was actually the fallback had I run into any issues with MX Linux so uh, Solus OS is a fine operating system very user-friendly it gets you off the ground does everything you need it to do so i mean isn't that why you installed it to begin with yes yes it is
0: yeah and i have no problem saying Solus os is almost challenging i'm saying this slow people Solus os is almost challenging debian instability that's how rock solid i found it to be even after two years of Ike leaving it, because he apparently left it in very, very good hands, aka, he's a much better judge of character than I am, kind of thing. Um, I definitely implore people if you are tired of Ubuntu, you don't want to run pha fa- um fa- uh, Dora. Um Solus is an incredibly competent operating system. And I will say if you want to see what uh I'm going to say it like this. If you want to see what the future of Linux can be, load Clear OS. It's a Intel branded operating system that its main goal is to be the lightest, sharpest, fastest OS that's ever existed on moderate hardware is the best way I can put it. That's why I expect this gaming platform to be something that can be easily accessible whether you're running a $30 to $45 computer or whether you're running a $3,000 computer, I expect it to basically perform equally as well on both.
1: I don't have really much more to add to that, other than the fact that I agree. I mean, that, uh, a solid person, and something like that deserves support. So uh, if you can get a $20 lifetime license to his 2D stuff, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah,
0: well, the only the other thing I have to say, Bruce, is this, I believe... In this August, about six months from now, we are going to have an event happen in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, called Fosscon. F O S S C O N. Where a really honest to goodness, a really really good friend of the show, uh, named Russ Winner, A.K.A. the Techie Geek, will do everything in his power to be at that show and. I might be able to drag the last known God from another, I'm I'm sorry, that's his name, the last known God. I might be able to pull him from a continent away to come to his hometown in Philadelphia, where I'm going to try to be there this year. Um, False con to me is one of the most humble, one of the most um, uniquely open conferences I've ever been to in my life, where they openly talk about the good and the bad of everything happening in open source free software unix Linux, bsd and everything else and bruce hinted in previous years because of us uh, local sporting events he might be able to make it down and i will have no problem saying i'm gonna do everything in my power to be there this year and i will say if you the listener can be there this year do not do not ever hesitate to shoot us an email podcast at link the rest of us.com, And I'm going to try my best to persuade Bruce to come down as well.
1: Uh, it won't take much persuading. It's if I have the money to do it, I absolutely will because flights now are so unbelievably cheap and I could be down there in a minute. Uh, and of course the driving reason for me is well, the Phillies are usually in town and I'd like to see the $300 million man. <laughs>
0: there you go. There you go. Um, so I'll say this, a thank everyone for coming out. Thank everyone for their support. Thank everyone for emailing. Thank everyone for communicating with us, me and Bruce and everybody else who is in Podnuts. Uh, Podnuts. uh, pod When I say hello, pod what I really mean is hello, friends. Hello, everyone who has been there for me and everyone who I am there for. Uh, if you would like to again, join this show live, do not hesitate. We try to do this show live about nine 30 Saturday nights. Um, to follow us, simply click the link in the notes, and you will see links to things like Discord, things to Mattermost, things to Twitter, maybe even Facebook, to where you can get direct uh, notification when we go live. Uh, or just quite simply, shoot us an email, podcast at lennox for the rest of us.com, and say, Let me know when you're going live. I literally already have a couple people who uh, asked to be on that list. And then basically, I just shoot them an email w- with a link um i'll just ask bruce as i always do do you have any uh parting words for everybody
1: no actually if anything uh friend of the show dan fry he's got to be happy his flyers are in second place overall as we had predicted so yeah let's keep an eye on hockey it's the season
0: it is definitely the hockey season and i have no problem saying this dan fry is not only one of the smartest guys i think i've ever had the luxury of chatting with. Um, but he's also one of the nicest guys. I think, um, if I could force anybody to be in political office, to be like the head of a lot of people, I'm pretty sure Dan Fry would be near the top of that list because he would not do anything that would hurt my children or my children's children ever because he's Dan friggin' Fry. And if you don't know who I'm talking about tilts, the Lennox link tel- tech show, uh, he's on the show when he can be Um, and if you don't listen to that show, what the hell's wrong with you? Listen to it. Uh, because when they go deep into Linux, they go quite deep into Linux. Very cool. And I will say again, thanks everyone for their download. Do not forget. You can send us a voicemail, 7076 Podnut or an email podcast at Linux for the rest of us. If you want to contact me directly, not for the show. Again, I already said my phone number once this episode. Or you can send me an email at doordoorgeek at gmail.com. And I will say never, ever, ever, ever forget. If you do not have root on each and every device in your own trusted network, then really people, you really have no idea who does. So take care of yourself and each other. And I hope to talk to everyone again real soon.